1: And now, move the sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
2: Welcome to Move the Sticks. I'm Bucky Brooks, but I am joined. This is special guest, is my man Marcus Gantt coming over. We're doing a crossover podcast. So (laughs) look, I know you guys have been itching. I know everyone is getting ready for their fantasy drafts, getting ready for their fantasy season, getting ready for the wild and zany fantasy bets that you have in these leagues where you get tattoos. And I just saw <laughs> online where somebody had to take Winnie the Pooh to dinner uh, because they <laughs> came in last in the league. And so everyone is gearing up. And Marcus, you may not, you may not know this, but you're talking to a three-time fantasy league champion oh, over here. Okay. Um, someone who way back in the day on one of our competitor sites, I used to play fantasy in the early, uh, the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. And I had to give it up. I had to give up that narcotic because it was it was overwhelming my Sunday life. I would, it, and it was a league that didn't lock on the mm. weekend, so you can imagine watching games, watching the running back go down, but knowing that the waiver wire was still active, and being on your phone and picking up the handcuff right then. So I, I had to give it up. It was overwhelming my life. But look, man, it's, it's good to have you on. Like. Tell me a little bit about your fantasy journey, because I'm so curious in terms of like our experts and you guys, like how did you become kind of like the fantasy know yeah, honestly, uh, this job
1: sort of found me more than I found it. I, I, it really it really was the case. I, I had been working in radio for a long time. My, my radio job had sort of dried up. I was kind of unemployed. Um, a former coworker suggested that I just apply to jobs at the NFL. They were always looking for people seasonally. And no, no lie, I just went to like NFL.com slash jobs or whatever it was. And I applied for like five or six things, most of which I wasn't even qualified for. Um, nothing. This was 2011. So the lockout was happening. Nobody knew if there was going to be a season. I kind of forgot about it because nothing happened for a couple of months. Um, I got a phone call from Michael Fabiano, who was the, the fantasy lead at the time, asked me if I wanted to interview for a job writing about fantasy football. And I was like, does it pay? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, sure. So, uh, I went in, did the interview. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I remember turning on the TV and seeing the news that the lockout was over. And a couple hours after that, I got a call saying, hey, you got the job, you know, come on in, sign the paperwork. And so uh, August will make 12 years. I mean, I started off kind of as a, a, a seasonal employee the first two seasons. I would work from like August to about March, and then they would send me out into the wilderness for five months and bring me <laughs> back, uh, you know, and then finally after two seasons of that, they finally gave me a full-time gig, uh, you know, and I've been lucky to sort of just work my way up from just being basically a copy editor to doing some podcast hits to, you know, now getting to host the podcast and be on Fantasy Live. And, and yeah, so I'm, I'm getting ready to start uh, my 12th year uh, come come August <laughs> at the NFL.
2: That is so bananas. I, I joined uh, NFL media in 2009. And mm-hmm. so you just talked about like uh, the many iterations of NFL media, the explosion of fantasy football. And and look, I, I think it's a perfect time to have you on because so many things are bubbling up around the league when it comes to like fantasy, daily fantasy has a different strategy than what you would do like um, over a season. And so like, when you learn and you just kind of leaned in, I first, got to ask were you a fantasy football player before you joined
1: the NFL back in 2011? Not seriously. I just played sort of socially, kind of casually. It was a way to, you know, I at the time I, for a while, I was living in, in the Central Valley in Fresno, and I, it was a good way to, to meet people and kind of make friends in a city I didn't know anybody. Uh, I played in a league with guys from high school because it was just a way to keep up with with guys I didn't see on the regular. But, no, I was never playing it in a serious way. I've, in fact, I don't even know if I should tell this, but my first year I was there, we had a league uh, amongst a bunch of the digital editors, just kind of a, a fun casual league, Um I went 0 for the season. <laughs> for oh.
2: that yeah, that's, that's okay. That's okay. I, 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 I've had those moments. It's, sometimes you get it's the luck of the draw. You, yeah. you draft is off, and you just can't get it going. Uh, that is funny. Um, so now here here's my thing because I everyone has their own strategies when it comes to drafting players and building the team. What is the number one thing? I, imagine I'm a newbie. I've never played fantasy. What is the number one thing that I would need to think about? If I'm building a
1: fantasy football team. Uh, the one thing I would just tell you is don't because I think the number one mistake for new players is, hey, quarterbacks score the most points. So that's the first guy I should draft. Right. Don't do that. Um <laughs> You know, and like and I go I go back to like the first time I ever played fantasy football, I was like, I think it was nineteen ninety-four. I was in college. Um, the first guy I ever drafted was Dan Marino. But you know, at that time, we didn't know better. I mean, that was just kind of what you did. Uh, you know, so so don't necessarily spend your first round pick on a quarterback if you are brand new. Uh, look at a a top-notch running back or a top-level wide receiver is probably the way to go really in your drafts. So, no,
2: it's funny. So the team building process, because, you know, DJ and I, like on Move the Sticks, we always talk about team building. So this is a perfect opportunity to do team building, but in the fantasy world. And Mm -hmm. so if you're saying, like, so in uh, whatever, reality, if we're building a team, it's quarterback, it's pass rushers, it's playmakers, and then it's pass protectors is kind of how you build it out. So now you're telling me from a fantasy standpoint, you're thinking running backs and pass catchers, what are some other things that we need to know if we're trying to build an ideal team that can buy for championships in fantasy?
1: I think one of the other things that has become apparent the last few years is it it pays to go get yourself a top level tight end. Um, it's a position where you only start one, depending you know, and mostly you only start one tight end. And there are right now maybe seven or eight guys that you can feel confident with. Uh, on a week-to-week basis, right? Like Travis Kelsey is still the king among tight ends, but then, you know, the, just below him, you got guys like Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson, you know, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts. Um, but there are really only about eight guys that that you feel like, you know, can give you decent scoring on a week-to-week basis. After that, it's just a grab bag. and And you're sort of, you know, if you're a, if you're beyond that, you're just kind of praying that your guy gets you a touchdown each and every week, and that's kind of a hard way to live. So it's, <laughs> it really is. So it's worth it's worth you know maybe in that third or fourth round, uh, you know, for maybe fourth or fifth round, I'll say, uh, take a look at, a, at getting yourself a quality tight end because it's just it's just one less headache you'll have when you're setting your lineup every week.
2: Okay, so let's set it. So in most traditional leagues, we have how many running backs? Like like two Usually running two backs? two running backs. Yeah, two mm-hmm. running backs, two wide receivers. A tight end. Is there a flex included in that? Or
1: most leagues, most leagues will have a flex, which you know, if you don't, if you're not familiar with it, it it allows you to you can either play a running back or a wide receiver. Sometimes you can play a tight end in your flex spot, uh, but usually it's just it's a running back wide receiver. So you can take you know a third player at that position.
2: Okay, so in thinking about that, let's talk about running back. So for you, from a fantasy standpoint, what are we looking at? to be an rb1 in fantasy are we looking at a guy that compiles a bunch of rushing yards someone that gets like a bunch of receiving yards a a touchdown vulture that just around the goal line
1: like what are the characteristics that we're looking for in that rb1 it's a guy that you know is going to be on the field a lot and, and he's going to get the ball a lot whether it's as a rusher or as a receiver i mean you know right now when you look at the top running backs in fantasy football Uh, Christian McCaffrey, because he's always on the field and he's going to get a lot of carries. He's also going to catch the football. Austin Eckler, sort of a similar thing there. Um, You know, one of the guys that's an RB1 that sort of breaks the mold, Derrick Henry, doesn't catch the ball quite as much as some of these other guys, but you know, he's going to get a lot of carries. And you know that when he's right there, Henry's going to get you, you know, probably 1500 rushing yards. He's going to get you, you know, 10 touchdowns. So he's just kind of a monster. Nick Chubb is another guy like that, where he doesn't necessarily catch it a ton. He'll catch it just enough to kind of, you know, be viable, but he's going to get you a lot in the, the rushing sphere. So, yeah, and you know, this, the, the workhorse running back as a genre is sort of dying right now, but those guys that, you know, are going to be playing, you know, 70, 80 or more percent of the snaps. They're going to be getting 20 to 30 touches per game. Those are the guys that you really want to target early in your draft.
2: You, you know, and I know this has to be the part that is frustrating in fantasy because to me it's frustrating as an old school football fan. They're running back committee. They're running back by committee <laughs> situation. The Shanahan system where, man, one guy goes bonkers one week, then the next week you're like, where is he? Um, <laughs> How do, you, how, how do you navigate when, when you're trying to pick the running backs that you want on your team? How much do you consider the committee situation and the uncertainty of the touches that they may get on a week-to-week basis?
1: Yeah, it's it's hard. I will say that because it's becoming more prevalent across the league, we've gotten more practice at trying to navigate that situation. And for a lot of teams it's become easier because there's sort of a a division of labor right you have that guy that you know is going to be kind of the running back right he's going to be the traditional maybe between the tackles back he's the guy who gets short yardage maybe goal line situations and then you'll have that guy who's more of your change of pace maybe your pass catching back i mean i think a good example of that last year for instance was in Detroit, where you know Jamal Williams was kind of the hammer, scored a ton of touchdowns. And you had DeAndre Swift, who was kind of more your speed back. he catched the football. And both those guys found a way to prosper in that backfield. I mean, the Browns did it a couple years ago uh, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So we started to kind of figure it out. I will say this. We like, we can deal with two running back committees. If it's just two guys rotating through, you can deal with it. When there's a third guy that gets into the mix, <laughs> then it becomes a complete headache. And then, as you mentioned, the Shanahan family in general. First, it was Mike <laughs> Shanahan. Now it's Kyle Shanahan. Uh, you know, Adam Rank came up with the term called Shanahanigans because you just never really knew what they were going to do on a week-to-week basis. So they were sort of the outlier. But for most coaches, we've kind of figured out how they use their backs, and that's that's given us given us an idea of how to draft those backs.
2: So if, if running backs one of the marquee positions, wide receiver is certainly the one where people are just. Loading up and then we're seeing a league now where they're just throwing it all over the yard. We're talking about 20 to 25 guys having a thousand yard seasons, stuff like that. So what is it that you're looking for in a number one receiver on your fantasy lineup?
1: A lot of targets, a lot, a lot of targets. Um I mean, like right now. In a lot of leagues, don't be surprised if Justin Jefferson is the number one overall pick this year. And in a lot of the early, now, mind you, like the, the folks that I'm drafting with right now are, you know, kind of like me. They're kind of sickos who've been drafting for a long time. But, you know, in a lot of these drafts, it's not uncommon to see six, seven wide receivers come off the board in the first round. Whereas maybe five years ago, it was, you know, six or seven running backs and a handful of wide receivers. So, like the guys like Justin Jefferson, Uh, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, you know, even Devontae Adams still has some first round value. Stefan Diggs. These are guys that, you know, are the alphas in their passing games. It helps if they play in an uh, in an offense that throws the ball a lot. But either way, if you can look at a guy and say that, you know, reasonably believe he's going to get you 130, 150 targets. Those are the guys that are probably going to be gone in the first round or early part of the second round in your draft.
2: So fantasy is matching reality because we are seeing the league has shifted to a pass centric focus where it's about the quarterback and the playmate. Look at who's getting paid. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, the running backs have fallen by the wayside. They're no longer the marquee player on offense. They're not getting paid like that. And so we're seeing it match up. And so now you're talking about targets and that when you're looking at getting a wide receiver, Do you worry about his supporting cast? Do you want someone who doesn't have a complimentary weapon or do you want him to kind of be the standalone figure? So think about DeAndre Hopkins for years in Houston was like a one man show. Do we (laughs) want do we want the one man show or do we want someone that may have a compliment on the other side to take some of the pressure Away from him, so he can get one on ones.
1: I think it's it. This is where it sort of depends on the offense and the quarterback in in particular. Like I, I immediately think of Cincinnati, right, where Jamar Chase is there. T. Higgins can still thrive in that offense along with them because the Bengals are going to throw the ball a lot. A guy like Joe Burrow can go out and support multiple pass catchers. Um, you know, I, I think you see the same. Uh, I, I think you could in Buffalo. They don't really have another guy beyond Stephon Diggs. That, But I think Josh Allen could support multiple guys. Patrick Mahomes can. You know, right now they just lean on Travis Kelsey. But you look at other offenses like DeAndre Hopkins going to Tennessee I don't know that they can support a whole lot of guys there. So Hopkins is going to get his. He's for sure going to eat. The question is, you know, how much does that impact a guy like Traylon Burks? Or, you know, a lot of us like, you know, Chig Okonkwo as kind of a sleeper tight end. Is that offense built to funnel enough targets to all three of those guys? Can they all be successful when you know you still got to get Derrick Henry his touches? You've got Ryan Tannehill at quarterback who is— Fine. I mean, he's sort of oatmeal when it comes to quarterbacks. He's nothing special. He's, he's not going to kill you, but he's nothing special either. So that looks like an offense where it looks like it'll be DeAndre Hopkins eating a lot and everybody else sort of fighting for whatever's left over in the passing game.
2: Yeah, no, it, it is funny how um, when you're making those decisions in fantasy, if you can kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together and try to figure out like, OK, if he's the number one, does he have enough to prevent the team from double teaming him? DeAndre Hopkins, you would like to think he's going to get a lot of targets, not only because they don't have an established target, but you still have to worry about Derrick Henry. And so now when you think like, hey, he's going to get one on ones," maybe he's getting eight to 10 a game, even though he can't run. Maybe he's able to put some points up, touchdowns and those things. And so as I think about that, because you told me I got two, maybe three slots for my wide receivers. Mm -hmm. So in a perfect world, in both of those slots, I have two number ones. But now let's say all the number ones are gone. What am I looking for in an ideal number two wide receiver?
1: You're looking for a guy again, who's going to get a decent number of targets. Uh, you know, it would be nice if you can find maybe a red zone threat or somebody like that. You know, a good a, a good number two that immediately jumps to mind to me is Mike Williams. Uh, With the Chargers, who's, uh, you know, a good downfield threat, kind of a contested catch guy and a big target when they get near the end zone, right? Like, you know, Justin Herbert will probably be looking in his direction. He has really good uh, number two wide receiver upside or just a guy in an offense that, again, is going to spread the ball around a guy that I've sort of liked in a lot of drafts this year is Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, everybody looks at Debo Samuel, understandably. I mean, Debo is, is incredibly multi-talented. But last year, it was Ayuk that led that team in receptions and receiving yards. And all the drum beats out of San Francisco right now say that Ayuk just looks like a different guy. It's like he's completely bought into the system. And, you know, weirdly, I know we always talk about targets and route ring and that sort of thing. Buying into the system for Kyle Shanahan for Brandon Ayuk meant blocking it just meant actually putting an effort out and blocking when the ball wasn't coming to you or when they were running and I think so now that he's sort of understood that that is an important part of his job he's getting more opportunities in the passing game and you know I mean you know this coming out of Arizona State was an incredibly talented guy great after the catch um and he's a guy that is sneakily you know he's kind of hanging around in like the fifth or sixth Mm -hmm. round and and wherever I have a chance I'm trying to draft him as my second wide receiver
2: Man, that, that is so great. It's funny you talked about Ayuk, uh, Mike Williams. I think another one who fascinates me is what do you categorize like Jalen Waddle? Is Waddle mm-hmm. like a number one? Do you treat him like a number two? Tyreek Hill is the guy I'm talking about going for 2000 yards. Yeah. And so, I mean, what, what does that do? Like, what, what would you do when you're trying to think about a Jalen Waddle? Is he someone that you draft high or what do you
1: feel like you can get him? You have to draft him fairly, high, probably a little higher than you would Ayuk, but I think he's he's sort of in that fringe, low wide receiver one, high wide receiver two. Um, but you're right, like, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to, he's going to be the main, the main target there. But I think the other part of it is it's a passing offense that is mostly funneled through those two guys. And so uh, that gives Waddle a lot of value. I mean, the fact that, you know, you can't teach speed and they, they've got a track team down there in Miami yeah. between those two receivers and the running backs, um that helps so you know if if Tua can just get him out in space and let him run he can pick up those after the catch yards he can find his way into the end zone so he really is kind of that that high-end wide receiver too it's just because I think right now everybody's so excited about the Dolphins offense uh the draft price has gone up on him a little bit yeah you talk about the the draft price going up now
2: one of the things that
1: I I love uh, when
2: I watch Fantasy Live, is I think I think it's the hype train. where yeah. you get to going, y'all get to y'all get to go on or whatever. So like the the funny part of the off season is like everybody looks great, everybody's mm-hmm. there. The buzz is on that. You talked about Ayuk or whatever. Who are some of the the guys that are on the hype train that I need to jump on uh, that we think might have breakout years
1: or bigger than anticipated roles uh, heading into the season? Well, Bijan Robinson is the first one on the list, and you know. Every year, we seem to get you know one or two rookies, usually running backs, that everybody loves. And Bijan, everybody thinks he's going to go to the moon. The problem with that is that means you've got to spend a first-round pick on Bijan. He's coming off the board right around like eight or nine overall in a lot of leagues because it's sort of that, that perfect match of talent, you know, being the, the top running back in this draft class in a situation, in an offense that wants to run the football a ton, you know, Arthur Smith just wants to just run the hell out of the ball. And then occasionally they will use him as a pass catcher. I know they've talked about maybe putting him in the slot every once in a while to get him some targets there. So everybody loves Bijan Robinson. Uh, you know, another guy that that is getting a lot of hype. If you are in the the, you know, of the mind to draft a second quarterback, Anthony Richardson, people love him just because. Ooh, yeah. The rushing upside. And I mean, one of the things with quarterbacks now is we want quarterbacks that can run with the football. That's why, you know, two of the top three guys off the board are Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, because they're going to give you that rushing upside. It's why people love Justin Fields. He's getting drafted as a top five guy. And so while we are all still unsure what Anthony Richardson can be as a passer, um, we're pretty confident he could put together, you know, eight, 900 yards on the ground. If he can get you six to eight rushing touchdowns, that gives you a pretty solid floor. And then if he turns out to be a better passer than we anticipate in year one, all of that ends up just being a bonus. So he's that guy that that for me, if I'm going to wait I'll, I, I might take. Richardson, and then I'll come back around and I'll grab like a Geno Smith or a Kirk Cousins just to kind of give me that insurance, that cushion at the quarterback spot. But everybody loves them. Some Anthony Richardson in drafts right now.
2: So it's it's, it's so funny how the league is is kind of evolved, right? It, mm-hmm. it went from being a passing league and it's still a passing league, but now, boy, we love the dual threat quarterback. And in fantasy. We've always loved it. I remember the Cam Newton year when Cam Newton was MVP and just a scoring machine, and how y'all would rave about it. And so now we have this collection of these athletic quarterbacks, right? You alluded to Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Josh Allen, uh, but the guy that I have, um, what do we do with Lamar Jackson? Like, are we big on Lamar Jackson? Are we are we pausing on Lamar Jackson? What are your thoughts on Lamar Jackson?
1: No, we're we're big on Lamar Jackson this year. Um, you know, it, it one. Once we got past all the the contract drama and he and Baltimore decided to kiss and make up and everybody's happy again, that, that took a big load, I think, off of everybody's mind. And now with Todd Monk in there, I think we're expecting that this offense is going to be a little bit more aggressive through the air than it has been in the past. Now... I'm still sort of skeptical on the pass catchers. You know, you hope a guy like Rashad Bateman is healthy. We'll see what what Odell has left in the tank there. I mean, we know Mark Andrews is still going to get plenty of looks in that offense. But you take, you know, Lamar and his rushing ability with a, a play caller that I think wants to take more vertical shots. Everybody loves Lamar, and I have seen, you know, I've seen him go as high as maybe being the, the third quarterback off the board. Right now, he's on average about the fifth quarterback taken, but I think everybody is very much back in on Lamar Jackson this year.
2: So th- th- there's a lot of buzz about Lamar Jackson because of all the playmakers around him, and people are super excited about that. You talked about Anthony Richardson because typically when it comes to rookie quarterbacks, people are kind of like, Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> or whatever, but... When you listen to the people down in Carolina talk about Bryce Young, and they talk about how he has it and some of the firepower that he has around him, and they think this team can be a playoff team, what are we to do with
1: Bryce Young when it comes to fantasy? Bryce Young is very much kind of a late-round, kind of almost a dart throw, right? I think if if you play dynasty league football where you draft a player and you have him over several years, uh, Bryce Young was being drafted fairly early. He was kind of a first-round pick in a lot of rookie drafts. But I think in regular redraft leagues, Everybody's taking a more cautious approach. And I think in part, because as you mentioned of the cast around him, that, you know, Carolina is sort of putting a patchwork together of guys who were sort of cast offs from their previous teams, maybe getting a little bit older. You know, I I don't know what it's going to look like when, you know, if potentially Adam Thielen and and older Adam Thielen is the number one target in this offense, you know, what does Miles Sanders have to offer after the Eagles decided they were going to move on from him? Um. So I think that alone kind of has everybody being cautious. I will say in some of the, the drafts, early drafts I've done, I have taken him kind of in the double-digit rounds just because, hey, man, who knows? Maybe maybe he really does blossom in year one, but I think everybody is sort of looking at year two and beyond to see what Bryce Young can really be.
2: Okay, so we, we've talked about the hype train and the guys we're excited about. Well, now I'm going to put on my hater hat, and we're going to talk about <laughs> some guys like Marcus. Who who are the overrated let's start with the quarterback first who's the overrated quarterback that people are expecting big things but you're like
0: mm,
1: i'm not digging this person yeah i don't know i i, I think when it comes to overrated quarterbacks I, I don't know i well i'll say this and this is not a guy that that's getting drafted normally but this is just kind of funny is that a lot of people were taking shots at Trey Lance early on in draft season. And I I didn't get it because everything the Niners said pointed to uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, Brock Purdy Purdy being the the starting quarterback when he was healthy and ready to go. Um, I I will say this. I think by this time, we've kind of gotten good at drafting quarterbacks. I'm not sold on Kenny Pickett. I think people are trying to tell me a story Mm. where Kenny Pickett takes a big step forward this year. Uh, I'm not completely on board with that. I like Justin Fields, but I think my fear with him is that he's closer to his ceiling than maybe we believe him to be mm. um oh the other guy I guess Daniel Jones speaking of closer to the ceiling I think we see I think we saw the best of Daniel Jones last oh, year. oh f-
2: f- 15 and five is the best think, 45 million 45 I, million gets
1: me 15 and five and that that's the best of it. And like, here's the, for fantasy where I'm drafting Daniel Jones, I think he's going to be fine for my fantasy team. I think the giants have put themselves in football purgatory (laughs) by giving him this much money. Like they are just going to be stuck in, like they're going to be that team that either, you know, they make the playoffs and probably get bounced in the first round, or they're just on the outside looking in. And they're going to be in that middle range of draft picks where they like, aren't going to get anybody to really make themselves better because they've handcuffed themselves to Daniel Jones right now. Um, I
2: I can't go like my affiliation with the Jaguars. I'm really excited about Trevor Lawrence. Like I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that you share that sentiment. How do you feel about Trevor Lawrence and, and really the offensive playmakers on their team? How do you feel about like their chances of kind
1: of busting out in the fantasy world? Love them. Love, love the Jaguars, especially love Trevor Lawrence. Um, Love Calvin Ridley. I mean, the fact that they were able to, to get him and, and now and plug him into an offense that was very good last year. They've re-upped with Evan Ingram. Uh, you know, they got a lot out of Christian Kirk and Zay Jones last year. I love Trevor Lawrence. My only hesitation with the pass catchers is just that there are so many of them that, you know, how do they split the pie a little bit? So I think, I think if you draft a Jaguars pass catcher, um, it could be frustrating week to week because you know, one week, it might be the Calvin Ridley week. One week, it might be the Christian Kirk week. Then it might be, you know, Travis Etienne or, or Evan Ingram. So that part's going to be frustrating. But in the end, uh, you know, the guy delivering the football, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's going to get his yards, his touchdowns, his points. So I absolutely love Trevor Lawrence. I think he's like the QB seven or eight right now. And, and I think that's a really good spot for him.
2: Well, look, so th- this is a really good spot. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We're going to pause for a minute. I got some more questions on the other side of this break. <laughs>
0: All right,
2: Marcus, coming back now. Um, look, man, I, I, I told you, like, th- this is, like, I feel so fortunate that I, I have a personal fantasy football coach, so I know <laughs> I'm going to crush my league and all this stuff. So I got I got a list of some other questions that I kind of want to get out there. Um, and so we, we we talked about the quarterbacks. We, we've talked about the pass catchers and those things. I, I, I think we've talked a little bit about sleepers, but because it's just you and I and no one else is really around, like,
1: give me a handful of sleepers that are, like, must-haves in a fantasy world. So one guy, I don't even know if he's a sleeper, but it's just a guy that that everybody seems to... Every year they want to write off Tyler Lockett, and I don't understand it. Um, you know, like, every year people say that it's the end for Tyler Lockett, and... You know, in the end, he catches, you know, 80 passes. He gets you 1,100 yards. He gets you six to eight touchdowns. Who wants that? I don't know. Not, you know, it's just it, it just doesn't seem to make sense the way people are, are sort of talking down on him every single year. I also like Cam Akers um, mm. as a sleeper this year. And somebody, somebody last year referred to Cam Akers and Sean McVay as sort of the Ross and Rachel of the NFL because they were sort of on again, off again sort of thing. Um, but I think... By the time they got to the end of the year, the Rams realized he was their best running back, right? Daryl Henderson sort of faded away. They tried Kyron Williams, and no matter what they did, they realized Cam Akers was their best option. And so this year, I think they're just leading with that. There's nobody else on that depth chart that's going to really take any opportunities away from him. So uh, I, think, I, think, I think Cam Akers is in for a big year. Uh, I mentioned Brandon Ayuk. I like James Cook in Buffalo, Um, you know, I, I think we saw near the end of the year last year, they started to really get him more involved in that offense. And I think I like the fact that they can use him as a pass catcher. They kept bringing in pass catching running backs last year, but never throwing them the ball. Like, you know, they, they brought in Naheem Hines and they wouldn't throw him the football. And I, I, none of us understood why that happened, but I think James Cook is going to kind of take over that role. Uh, and then the last one at a quarterback, you talked about Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. I mean, I think as long as Tua stays healthy, I think big things are in the works for Tua tonga I mean, last year when he was healthy, he was playing good football. And then unfortunately, the concussions sort of derailed the season. But I think as long as the the offensive line can keep him upright uh, with those pass catchers there, with Mike McDaniel sort of operating the switches at, at that offense, I think Tua can have a really big year
2: man he can absolutely have a really big year but you talk about watching if he's your fantasy quarterback man you talk about just putting yourself through angst every week <laughs> yeah. every time he draws back to pass and if someone <laughs> gets close to him like you're holding your breath saying man i hope my guy is able to get up and and, and kind of bounce back uh it is a very interesting thing oh i tell you what's interesting sean payton russell wilson uh what do we think about the Broncos offense? Not not only about Russ, but what about Jerry Judy Cam?
1: So, 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 how do we feel about their their playmakers? Um, I will say this. The obviously the bet in Denver is, you know, I guess the, the question for for the Broncos and their fans are. Will Russ cook, or is Russ cooked? And I am betting that I'm going to say he's not quite cooked yet, and that that uh, you know, Sean Payton's going to find a way to get some more out of him. We all love Jerry Judy, and especially because he's sort of a mid-round guy. You don't have to pay a big draft price to get Jerry Judy. I think the arrow is pointing up for him very much. Um, you know, Cortland Sutton is a guy that I've kind of liked, but it hasn't quite happened yet. And I'm not sure if it is. I think I think at this point he sort of is who he is. You know, he's a nice for fantasy, at least probably a third wide receiver for you. You know, he'll give you some decent weeks, but I don't think he's ever going to blossom into that big time playmaker that that we thought he could be when he was coming out of college. The other big question for me is how ready is Javante Williams? Um, you know, because last year we all loved him. And I remember there was a point when we weren't sure if Melvin Gordon was coming back to Denver and we were talking about Javante Williams as a high first round draft pick. That all changed once Gordon, you know, re-signed in Denver or what have you. And then, unfortunately, Williams gets hurt with that that major knee injury. Now, he's saying he's going to be ready to go. The Broncos are sounding optimistic about it, so that's cool. But, I mean, you've seen guys with with knee injuries like that. It usually takes them a while to sort of get back into the flow of things. So I want to see. I love Javante coming out of North Carolina. Um, I kind of like what he can do. But at the same time, They also have Samaje Pirine as a nice sort of insurance policy who can catch the football, who can get some of those hard yards for you. So I'm drafting Javante, but I'm drafting him sort of as a third or fourth running back where if if he does come back healthy and is ready to go, then I feel really great about my running back situation. And if it takes him a while to kind of get back up to speed, um, then, you know, I haven't I haven't risked a lot in draft capital. I've got, you know, two, hopefully two or three other guys ahead of him that I can feel confident in starting. Okay,
2: so this may be unpopular, but we've kind of gone through all the marquee positions in fantasy. Uh, I have to ask you, are, are kickers value valuable in fantasy? Is there a place for the kicking game? Do we care about that? Do we just grab somebody at the end of the draft and throw them in there? Is there a strategy when it comes to acquiring a kicker in the fantasy world?
1: So I still think there's a place for kickers in the game, but increasingly uh, leagues are sort of doing away with that. You know, a lot of leagues now are doing away with kickers and adding an extra flex spot. But I'm like, you know, kickers are people too, right? They have feelings. <laughs> they, they have feelings. They have souls. Like let's 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 involve them. Uh, that being said, it is very rare that I draft a kicker. Um, you know, I will I will spend those last few rounds maybe taking you know a rookie that I think has a chance to to get on the field or just kind of a younger player uh, that that has some upside, maybe a chance to make plays. Now chances are when it gets to week one and I got to set my lineup that last round pick is probably the first guy I'm going to cut so I can add a kicker. But, you know, hey, maybe you draft a guy and then you hear some news, you know, leading up to week one about him getting more reps or, you know, you don't ever wish for injury. But maybe the guy in front of him gets hurt and suddenly there's going to be a lot more snaps. So it's worth doing that. So I still believe in kickers. I still think it's cool. Weirdly, I actually play in something because I, you know, I do this and I play in a lot of weird leagues. Uh, I play in some where they have tweaked the kicker scoring to make it. So like you were actually sort of intrigued about drafting kickers. I'm, I'm in a slow draft now and I'm like looking around I'm like, huh, I'm in round like 13 of this slow draft. Maybe in a couple more rounds, I might look at Justin Tucker or somebody like that. Because, uh, you know, like he might score more than some other team's third wide receiver.
2: OK, so if we talk about kickers now, we got to talk about defense do I draft a defense or do I just sign one off the waiver wire? Like what, what are your,
1: your strategies when it comes to defense? No, I still I still think it's worth drafting a defense because you still have yours at, at your elite ones kind of at the top, right? You know, that you know San Francisco, Philadelphia, for instance, those teams, uh, you know, I think Dallas, uh, another one that those are, those are going to be teams that are going to, to do well for you. Um, you know, obviously on bye weeks you're going to have to make make the switch out, but I still think there's a value in drafting a defense. And, the two things i look at when when going after a defense can you get sacks and can you force turnovers those are the two things that are mostly going to get you points in in fantasy there for your defense so that's you know that's why i talk about uh dallas right they've got pass rushers philly's got pass rushers uh you know the the niners can can turn the ball over for you so those are the things you want the the weird quirk about defenses though is that you know every year There's always one or two that were great the year before that completely fall off a cliff and vice versa. There'll be one or two that were kind of awful last year and either they got a new coordinator or they drafted a piece or two or added somebody in free agency that completely turns it around. So that is one of the more, I think, fluid positions year to year. But I still think it's you're better off drafting one sort of in the later rounds than trying to play the waiver wire. Okay,
2: now, I, I can't let you leave the podcast without having this conversation. Uh, it was just announced that the New York Jets are going to be on Hard Knocks. Everyone wants to tune in to see what the Jets are going to do. They get Aaron Rodgers. So now I'm coming to you as the fantasy expert. Is Aaron Rodgers going to work in New York?
1: I think so. and But here's the thing. I don't think it's because, you know, I mean, I think in part because of the talent around him, right? Like having a guy like Garrett Wilson to throw the football to, and we'll see if Brees Hall is healthy in the backfield. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to work in New York because he's kind of motivated again. Like, I just got the sense the last couple of years in Green Bay, like, he was just sort of over it, right? I mean, he was, <laughs> he was taking spirit quests to South America and, like, dabbling in psychedelics. And, like, he was showing up just in time for class, you know, and that sort of thing. Like, I think in New York, you know, he realizes all eyes are on him. It's a new situation. And honestly, knowing for him, like you know, the clock is ticking on his career. There's only a few more years left. So I think just him being motivated and paying full attention again is what's going to be good for for him and the Jets. Now, you know, I don't know if that means a long playoff run. I I think this team's good enough to make the playoffs. You know, if they're good enough to get past, you know, the Bills or the Bengals or the Chiefs, that part I'm not sure about, but I do think he's going to have some success in New York.
2: Okay, so what I'm what I'm hearing you say is I need to make sure that I grab Garrett Wilson. I should think about Brees Hall. And if I need a quarterback, I might need to. Considering kind of kick the tires on the 40
1: year old quarterback who is dabbling in psychedelics and all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, like right now, Garrett Wilson is probably, I think, a, a second, mid second round pick. Brees Hall is probably, you know, second or third round. Rodgers is sort of that, he's kind of that fringe QB one where he's getting drafted as like QB 11 or 12. So it's, you know, it's not like the Aaron Rodgers we saw in his prime where, you know, he's going to give you 45 touchdowns and throw like five picks. Um, but he's still good enough to, you know, he's still good enough to get you 4,000 yards and probably get you 35 touchdowns or so. So he's going to be a quality quarterback. And like I said, the fact that, that he's, again, paying attention, I think is going to go a long way.
2: Well, look, man, you know what's going to go a long way? All these notes that I've taken today.
1: <laughs> I am so ready
2: for my fantasy draft. Marcus, I can't thank you enough for joining the Moodle 6 podcast. This has been great. Um, look, it's a little different, but we have learned how to build a team, the best fantasy football team that you can do. Thanks for coming on Mood Sticks. Appreciate you.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring.